It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend kind of edition. Uh, Justin Ferguson here in lovely North Florida. We're recording this on Sunday. This will come out on Monday. Um, you know, appreciate everybody listening, subscribing, uh, reading, all that good stuff. Uh, we're gonna put this. We're gonna put this podcast out on Monday morning. Newsletters come back on Tuesday for those of you who are Observer subscribers. As I wrote towards the end of uh, the observations on Sunday morning. Um, Spending time with my grandparents here this weekend. Don't really get to see them a lot. Uh, so I appreciate all y'all uh, for uh, your kind words and, and your comments. I uh, said a few of y'all, a few of y'all said some very, very nice messages about that. Um, so we are here to talk Auburn, Florida. Uh, we're here to also look ahead at it. what is going to be a very, very big week for Auburn men's basketball at home. Uh, and we'll get into some other stuff. Like we said, we're recording this on Sunday before the Super Bowl. So we're going to try to avoid any Super Bowl chatter because it'll already be out of place uh, by the time we get here on Monday, but I can't do this alone. I got to have uh, my tag team partners here. Uh, six man, six man tag match. Here we go. But you know, there's three on one side. First off, Dan Peck of the Dan Peck multimedia empire. Dan, you have traversed the world and uh, looks like you're back in Auburn. Yeah, it was a, a fun, busy week you know, traveling with the Troy Trojans. We were up in, uh, in Norfolk at the, uh, uh, you know, I, and actually I'd, I'd been to that area before my dad during his time in the military was stationed in uh, Newport news, which is in the same region, mm. but old dominion has a gorgeous arena. I, I, it's become, uh, I guess one of the, one, one of the, the arenas in Norfolk, maybe the choice arena for concerts and, and uh, comedy and stuff like that. AW. Yeah, AW's run there in that building before uh, Chartway. So that's a cool spot. And they've got, uh, you know, that that's the 1985 national champion in women's basketball. So they got that trophy. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, that's really cool. Lobby. Yeah, Old, Old Dominion, a, a storied women's basketball program from from back in the, the Joe Champy days of Auburn women's basketball. And then Bowling Green, I don't think it, I mean, so Marshall used to be in the MAC, and I've been there, but Bowling Green is my first time ever at a an actual active live member of the of the Mac and it was the the play for K game on mm-hmm. Saturday so there was a big crowd for that and they have a a cool band and a student section and a, a an interesting uh, setup too they got a hockey arena across the street and some some cool stuff on campus so yeah I had a great time it was a a, a fun trip yeah, unusual to play a non-conference game in Ohio in the yeah. the middle of February but we made the best of it and the Trojans won on uh, on Saturday go. against uh against Bowling Green which which helps coming back home with some momentum, six conference games left. And then, of course, Painter Sharpless back on the mic. Your long national nightmare is over, friends. Uh, Painter, how are we doing? Doing very well. Good to see you all again. Doing very, very well. Painter, you've got, uh, I, I'll say, I'll say this, this, uh, this time of year has been pretty busy for all of us, but you're, uh, you're, you're trying to, I guess the best way to say it, it's, you know, it's, it's Mardi Gras season and, uh, you've, uh, 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 folks who folks who follow you can 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 know you've been uh, you've been taking part in some events. Um, everything, the revelry. You, you keeping it? You keeping it? Uh, you keeping it going down there? Yes, it's been fun to be around it, and I appreciate that they get time off for the at least. I'm sure some people do. I, I know it's it's probably not unanimous. Anytime like there's an event, there's a reason to give people some time to relax and spend time with family and friends. Huge supporter of that. Whatever, absolutely whatever the cause. For, for the listeners, for the listeners, there is a full Zydeco band in the pit right now, stationed behind Painter, just waiting to start. But they they have to be quiet while we're recording the show. But they're ready to they're ready to get going again. 
and uh, and I think I think I saw Randy Newman too. I think I saw him there at the uh, at the, at the party as well. Yeah, later on, later on in the show, we'll be joined by Trombone Shorty, and uh, and you know, we'll, we'll we'll get this thing really kicked off. Trent um, Reznor's going to try to call in. Uh, we're here to talk about Auburn basketball. Uh, not, I mean, right off the top, no new football news that I'm aware of right now. Um, this weekend's been pretty basketball heavy. We did talk about uh, Vontrell King Williams on our last podcast and the kind of promotion for him to defensive tackles coach. A little bit of a rearranging there officially on the defensive staff. Um, you got Josh Aldridge moving to edge, and then uh, DJ Jerkin coaching you know inside linebackers uh, but that's pretty much the case uh, or pretty much all the case there for Robin's defensive staff looking like things are uh, pretty set and then Auburn is starting uh, spring practices at the end of February they'll take a week off for spring break and then they'll get right back to it so uh, it's coming up here in a couple weeks uh, we'll be we'll be having some football practices to talk about and uh, getting closer and closer uh, to things starting to roll on that end as Basketball hits their, you know, biggest run of the season. And A-Day is Final Four Saturday. Is that correct? I believe those two yes. events are scheduled for the same day. Yes, not Masters Saturday, but Final Four Saturday this year. So keep that in mind. Um, Auburn basketball, again, like you said, we'll talk about the big week coming up with South Carolina, with Kentucky, with game day coming into town. But of course, we got to start with what just happened. I've been here in Florida because Auburn played at Florida on uh, on Saturday, 81-65. Gators beat the Tigers. It never was really close. Auburn was down nine nothing early. Um, I think the closest they got, uh, you know, the whole way was, uh, you know, after that nine run, they got they cut it to seven a few times, but then it was double digits the rest of the way. And I mean, it was at seven, you know, with twelve minutes left and or in the first half. And so for thirty two minutes, this was a double digit game. This was this one was not. Remotely close. Florida was up by nearly 30 at one point. Um, fellas, again, Auburn goes down to Florida and struggles. That's not new news. Um, we had talked about it, and I wrote about it uh, before the game. Auburn has not won in Gainesville since 1996. Um, and the last three teams that have played at Auburn or at Florida from Auburn, you look at the 2018 team that won the SEC title, um, they turned the ball over a ton and a loss down there uh, towards the end of their run. 2020, um, the team that ended up you know, finishing second in the league, had had momentum going into the tournament before it got canceled by COVID. That team had scored 47 and just shot. It was one of the worst offensive performances Auburn's had in the Pearl era in that game. And then 2022, they get off to a slow start, um, and then they lose in the final seconds. Uh, couldn't get a shot off at the end. That 2022 team that won the SEC. So we have seen good teams go down to Florida and lose. So it's not like a ring the alarm bells. This is this is you know super super damaging uh, for um, you know Auburn. But Dan, like history has a way of repeating itself in college basketball. And I mean, 28 years. It's now 14 times Auburn's gone down there. Or it's either fourteen or fifteen that Auburn's gone down there and has been able to hasn't been able to pull off a win. And some really good teams have done this. We'll see what this Auburn team ends up doing. I like I said, I, this game gives me twenty twenty vibes. Like I don't know if they're going to win the league this year, but I do think they can enter the postseason with momentum. That's kind of where I'm feeling about them. I kind of get the same vibes about the way their body of work, their their record compared to like their strength of schedule and all that. But all that to say, you know, it's it's. 
you don't want to come in and just say like, hey, you know, you you feel like this game was never going to be a win for Auburn, but like a lot was stacked up against this team going in, and uh, it really kind of wore itself out on the court uh, on Saturday. Right, and and you can look at the fact that Florida had a lot to gain from protecting their home court. Uh, and and that's a place where, as Bruce Pearl pointed out in the press conference, Florida's played extremely well this year. Uh, but it's still it's still a concerning loss for Auburn in the sense that uh, that this is another game reinforcing the belief that it's a very different Auburn team away from Neville Arena. Now, a lot of teams, a lot of the best teams in college basketball this year are very different away from home, which which can provide some comfort because I think it'll it'll make the NCAA tournament next month all the more uh, unpredictable. But for Auburn to lose to South Carolina or to lose to Florida and lose a game in the standings to South Carolina and and Alabama, right? The uh, to, mm-hmm. to have the you know to have Alabama game a game back from those two. A game back from those two. Now you still have a game against South Carolina, but you've taken a little bit out of your own power as far as you know, seeding that game in the standings to Alabama. Yeah, but you're gonna need a, some uh, help. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna need a little bit of help. But it's a, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's it may be a missed opportunity for Auburn in that yeah. regard. Although there was although there was a lot there was a lot of opportunity for both teams, and and, and Florida was the was the team that took advantage. I I think that's the thing that was like for Auburn, it's a missed opportunity. Like if Auburn would have won that game on Saturday, I would have been like, look, guys, like this team may have it for like. You know the the SEC tournament or for the SEC title. Like, I'm not saying like it would have been locked down then, but it's like it would have been huge because there was a lot well, going. It's the kind them. of game. It's the kind of game a national championship contender wins, right? And that's not sure. to say Auburn isn't one, but that would be a game that would sort of cement. Like, if yeah. you if you want to talk about Auburn right now as a team that should be in the top five in the AP poll, go, going to Gainesville is maybe like m- making that game closer or ultimately winning that game. Uh, would have been a chance to make that kind of statement. We talked for years and years and years uh, about the streak Auburn football had in Baton Rouge. And like, I guess this is the new one. I mean, we're going to get to the point where Georgia and Alabama are, you know, on the road are going to be ones like that as well. But like when you have a streak of haven't had something, you haven't done something since the 90s, in college basketball or college football, like we're far enough into the 2020s now where it's like, oh, that's a that's that's significant. And I just wonder if like is 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 Gainesville at basketball getting to Baton Rouge and football kind of territory for for, for Auburn fans. I believe Auburn's it, women have a similar uh, uh similar sort of frustration against Tennessee. Like I think I think yeah. Auburn I don't think Auburn has won if if at they've Tennessee. won if they've won at Tennessee in their history, it's only happened once, and I'm not and I'm not sure it has. It, there's a chance and it's Auburn. Like, it's like Auburn men have beaten Kentucky and are up like twice or like in Lexington twice. By the way, by the way, first time ever Kentucky has lost three straight home games. They lost to, a, and I mean, I'll tell you, as somebody who watches them frequently and follows them, this is not a very good Gonzaga team. This is one of the worst Gonzaga teams in a while, and, and like they're still decent. They'll still probably make the NCAA tournament, but like. Man, that that is crazy. And then, yeah, I mean, Dan. Speaking of Tennessee, you kind of look if you're Auburn, and it's like, hey, misery loves company. You lose this game to Florida, and Tennessee has an opportunity to kind of hop ahead of you in the in the SEC standings, and then they lose by the exact same 
uh, pretty much a similar game too. Um, you know, they were down big uh, at halftime and and never really got super close in that one. Um, you know, and and they they lost by sixteen at Texas A and M. So I mean, like this is another another mark to the thing. Like, it's really really tough to win on the road. And I tweeted this before the game, and it continued to kind of get traction the last twenty four hours or so. But like Auburn had a note in their game notes where it's like over the last seven seasons. So the start of the, the, the really the successful era for Bruce Pearl, um, they're third in the sec in road games, road wins, sec road wins. And they have a losing record in both of those categories. So you may look at it at face value and say, well, Auburn lose, loses more on the road than they win. That's, you know, that doesn't seem very good, but it's like, it's kind of what everyone's dealing with right now. Um, I think Illinois dropped one yesterday as well. Tennessee losing on the road. Auburn losing on the road. Like every weekend in college basketball, every week in college basketball, you're looking up and seeing ranked teams fall to these not ranked teams, but still pretty good teams um, at at home and are on the road. And we'll talk about a lot of the why of this game and how it all kind of broke down for Auburn. But I want to say up front, um, and I wrote about this some on Sunday, you can't really dive into this game and how it went without addressing the fact that Florida was looked like the fresher team for a reason in this one. Now, is it an excuse for the loss? No. Bruce Pearl said after the game, he didn't want to take anything away from Florida. They were the better team. Auburn didn't execute. They didn't do, they didn't follow, follow what they wanted to do in their game plan on offense or defense. They didn't play well, right? Bottom line. But, I think part of the reason why the difference was the way it is, and maybe the difference why we're talking about a 16-point win instead of maybe a closer game, is the fact that Florida had an entire week to prepare for Auburn and give, you know, they'd only they played Texas AM, they had their bye, and then they got to stay at home, which is a tough bit of, of of a break in the scheduling. Everybody in the SEC this year gets one of those midweek spots off, right? Except for, you know, I think there's a I think there's a couple of exceptions like with what Kentucky did playing Gonzaga uh, on the weekend. Auburn gets their off week between or their off date between the the Kentucky game and the Georgia game. They go on the road. And Bruce Pearl after the game was like, "Hey, I think I think if you have an off week, you should you, an off date, you should probably be the ones traveling off of that." That's not how it worked. Florida had the ultimate example. Hey, you got a top 5 team Top 10 team in net coming to town. You've got extra rest, extra preparation. This could lock you into the NCAA tournament field for the most part. And they played like it and they won. And to Bruce's point, he said, I knew they would start well in both halves, Florida. I thought we would respond better. So it's not surprising that Florida got off on the starts they did, especially at home in a charged up game. But Dan, like it played an impact in this game. I think it played more of an impact of how the final score looked more than the result itself, but it mattered. It, it definitely mattered. And I think with you, especially when you think about Auburn's previous two games, right? Auburn had played that, that road game in Oxford and, and, and played so well in the second half, you carry that momentum and energy and adrenaline into the iron bowl of basketball on Wednesday. And, and yeah, I think whoever was going to play Auburn on Saturday, especially if it's a Florida team coming off of a bye week, uh, they, they were going to have an opportunity uh, to get Auburn at maybe, you know, maybe you weren't going to get Auburn's best. Maybe it was, you know, maybe Auburn was, was due for a letdown after uh, a pair of emotionally charged games like the two that they just played against 
Ole Miss and Alabama. I am curious, Justin. I mean, it's it's the point guards. You know, the the, the box scores are are unsightly, right? For for Trey and uh, and and Holloway in that uh, in that Florida game. It, did Florida's defense do anything in particular to bother the Auburn guards? Did you think they were? Uh, you know, did they did they provide anything that could that that other teams could try to emulate down the stretch? I think the big thing for this game moving forward is that the struggles they had in this game, you can't have them repeat, right? You hope that they're not assigned for something in the future. Let's look at the last two games. Let's like you can actually look at the last three games that Auburn won: Vandy, Ole Miss, and Alabama. One of the big reasons why Auburn was able to win all three of those games is because those teams did not have the front court to hang with Jani Broom and to hang with um, with Jalen Williams. Florida really tall, really long. This is team that this is a team that doesn't force a ton of turnovers. However, they're long. They really pressed. Um, they pressure. They they doubled Jani Broom. They tried to limit his impact as much as possible. And Auburn's passing and. You know they they forced a lot of tough passes. Um, the inside out game wasn't working as nearly as 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 well as it should, and you know it really just took the life. And then when Jalen Williams, we saw it again when Jalen Williams struggles from the field, Auburn just has a hard time winning. That's just that's just how it is at this point in the year, right? Um, he's his scoring average is like nearly double in wins compared to losses. He hasn't hit a three in a game that Auburn's lost this year, like. He's very, very crucial to the, to it, and we saw it in the Alabama loss, and we saw it in the state loss, and now we saw it in this Florida loss. They really need Jalen Williams to to work, but this defense was really physical, and they really got after uh, Auburn. Um, they're a really good rebounding team. Auburn didn't get smacked on the boards too badly. Um, they you know they made up for it down the stretch and, and kind of evened it out, but it was the turnovers. It was the turnovers. It was the fact that Auburn looked like. They weren't as physical, and that had that might have to have something to do with the freshness. They tried, but Florida held up well. They looked like the more rested team and the stronger team, and they just played better basketball on top of it. Um, but I do think the Florida defense, you know, because I asked Bruce about this a couple of times yesterday, and he was just like, I just think their length really bothered us. And we have seen this Auburn team get to tee off a little bit, especially on offense against smaller teams teams without as much length, without as much physicality, that was never going to be the case against Florida. And instead of it coming up as much in rebounding, it came up more in how Auburn was disrupted on offense. And again, it's kind of like what we had talked about after the state game, after the Alabama game as well. Just any loss we've seen from Auburn this year, they've been able to bounce back from most of them, but you don't want it to be a blueprint. And South Carolina coming up this weekend, or I'm sorry, later this week, South Carolina's not a big team, They've got they've got size. They rebound the heck out of the ball and they play a really physical game. You know, BP said it after the game. If you thought Florida was physical, if we thought Florida was physical, South Carolina's even more physical. And so you don't want that to be so disruptive because it is a grind. Because you come off of this game and now you have a few days off and now you go right back into South Carolina. And so it's like, you know, it's gonna be a test. It's gonna be a grind. And you don't want to be the team that, hey, you can get disrupted with what you're doing on offense. And I thought Auburn was doing that. A little too much wasn't strong enough with the ball, either with its passing or its or its ball security. Uh, and Florida used that extra length and that extra, you know, strength to really get after them. There's not a ton of teams built like Florida, but there's going to be some teams coming up for Auburn that they have to play like that, and they got to be ready for it. And South Carolina is a team that that I think people are still viewing with some skepticism because of how close a lot of their wins have been. 
Um, but but they can say, shoot the lights out. They they can really some of those play, guys yeah, are. Yeah, they they can really play well. I mean, it, it's it's that's uh, that's the coach of the year right now in the oh, SEC. I don't, I don't know how you I don't know how you you'd, you'd argue against uh, uh, mm-hmm. the, the the job that's the job that's being done there. Yeah, no, South Carolina. This was a team that was kind of dead in the water last year in year one under Lamont Paris, and this year they're a contender. And um, like I said, not a tall front court. We'll talk more about the South Carolina game coming up. But wasn't I, Missouri I supposed to be better than South Carolina this year? According yeah. to like the yeah, oh boy. Like, I, think I, mean, Van, I think Vandy. I think Vandy was too. Oh, I mean, oh, I, and a, uh, oh, and eleven in Como, in uh, in, in, in conference it's play. It's yeah, it real rough. But like this South Carolina team, not a huge front court. They don't have a seven footer. They don't have multiple like six eleven. You know, seven feet, seven one guys like Florida does. But they rebound the heck out of the ball and they and they play really physically. And you don't want that to be kind of a. You don't want that to be the blueprint, right? Auburn in this game, they just did not do the inside out stuff that they wanted to do. You know, Janabra only had one assist. Uh, Jalen Williams didn't have a counting stat other than points and turnovers. It was just a rough game for him. And it's just, it's hard for Auburn to win. Like, Auburn is at its best when both of those guys are clicking and they took away a lot. Like, they doubled and they put a lot of, on Janabra. And he ended up finishing a little better in the second half. And so did Jalen down the stretch. But, um, you know, they they really put an emphasis on Janai, and so Auburn had to have other people step up and play well, and you just didn't really get that, especially from Jalen Williams and the other starters. And that and that's a game where your three pointers probably have to fall because Got getting yeah. getting stuff getting stuff inside when Florida's doing a good job against your front court and the Florida guards are bigger than than your guards, it's going to be tough to get stuff inside. I saw the quote from Bruce after the game, sort of lamenting how many times the guards dr- drove and tried drove to get blocked. Yeah, tried tried to get something inside against against much bigger players. And that's just like is okay, so is it playing the result to to wonder if Bruce you know, I, I, I wonder if Bruce is thinking maybe if he could do it again Saturday, more KD and more Cheney than than we actually saw because they were, I mean, especially KD, who's playing very well. Although I understand you got to put somebody on the bench to sure. uh, to, to play KD, but and, but he's, and uh, like Denver, and like Denver has been one of your more, hey, if you need a bucket, go get that guy out there. Kind of kind of options. I, I think the thing. So the interesting thing with that is Auburn had so much in this game where, yeah, they drove and got their shot block or blocked or ripped away from them, and it just didn't. The inside out game wasn't working as much. And I think not to go, not to play amateur sports psychologist here, but I do think there's part of that we see from time to time with Auburn and you see it in basketball teams in general. When their shots aren't falling, you see guys be like, okay, I need to go be, I need to go make a play. I need to, I let me go, let me go do this. Let me provide the spark. Sometimes Katie Johnson's able to do that. We've seen Chad Baker Mazzara provide that at times. There. Didn't really happen as much because of just how good Florida was in this one, especially on defense. And so, you know, you had inside move, you know, had inside moves where guys were coming up short. And I I think you didn't see them go inside out as much. And and when they kicked out and, and shot, it wasn't like they it wasn't like they were hitting them. Um I mean, again, it was one of those games where I thought the majority of Auburn's looks from deep weren't bad. They just weren't going down. And, and then in the second half, they stopped shooting as many of them. And they, 
you know, did a little bit better. And obviously the final 10 minutes were, were, were definitely in Auburn's favor. Um, but the game was well in hand at that point. I, I just, I, I look at this Auburn team and I look at this offense and say, Hey, everything is better when your big men are both scoring or both threats and they're, and they're distributing as well as they're scoring and, and, and you know, Auburn's backcourt is doing some catch and shoot stuff or they're driving addition. This game, it just kind of felt like they were doing a lot, trying to do too much one-on-one. And Florida's not the team to do one-on-one stuff with. Um, they are, they have good guards. They have experienced guards. They have, um, they have a really good front court. They have really good rim protection. This is a, this is a pretty good basketball team um, that I think, you know, I don't think the numbers give them as much justice as they probably deserve. For Auburn, it's just this was a game where, again, as as BP said after the game, they just didn't execute the game plan that they wanted as much. And I think part of that was just from a desire when you're down and and you feel like you just got to go get something, you 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 fall out of your style, and then you look up and you're and you're down by like fifteen or twenty, and that that's what really killed Auburn in this game on the offensive side. And as we we were talking about the standings, and, and it's a damaging loss in the standings, not just because you dropped that that one game back of of Alabama you've got a chance to regain the game on South Carolina but you know you sort of have to to watch and hope somebody else you know knocks Alabama back if if Auburn is is going to compete for the the SC regular season title you've also got to consider staying in the top 4 right cuz that that becomes a you know when you get to the yeah. SEC oh, tournament yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. i mean and, and Auburn is now like it gets a, another conference loss in one of these two games this week and i think Auburn will be I want to be careful here, but I think Auburn will be solidly favored in both home games uh, against so. against South Carolina and and Kentucky. I would say don't be don't be surprised if Auburn is, yeah, I'd say six, maybe more in in, in both games as you know at, at home. Uh, so you know th- this week, like we were saying earlier, represents an opportunity to strengthen a tournament resume. Uh, a slip up in one of these two games, you know, it, it starts to make things really tough as far as winning the regular season title. And I think it also, you know, that then it gets congested behind Alabama and South Carolina, mm-hmm. right? You talk about where's uh, that's where, that's where Florida and Kentucky are with four losses right now. Ole Miss uh, has, has lost five conference games. So, so then it starts to get pretty crowded to, to get one of the buys in the, uh, in, in this year's sec tournament. On the defensive side in this game for Auburn, I think the big thing that stood out is the fact that they did not force very many turnovers. They they turned the ball over a lot more compared to Florida. The turnover battle is huge. The assist to turnover ratio remains one of the one of the biggest factors in these games for Auburn. But on the defensive side, again, when you're off how many times have we seen this this year in games where Auburn's got the battle back or you know made a comeback or played well you know, even for, for both halves, how much defense can turn into offense, especially when your half-court offense is struggling like it has, and, and Auburn's off, half-court offense has hit some walls from time to time, and, and we talked about why the Florida matchup was tough there, but Auburn did not disrupt Florida enough on defense. This Florida team, like, okay, so Auburn's offense can be elite and has been elite this year when they are going inside out, when they're distributing, they're passing, they're they're working the ball around, Catch and shoot stuff like that, you know, lot the lobs, the dump offs, really, really good. High assist rate, one of the best assist rates in the country. They do that. This Florida team, you know, bottom half of the country in assist rate, they have guards who can go in one on one. And Auburn, 
at times this season has been able to win those matchups by staying at home. I think of the old Miss games and you know the, the the work there. This game, Florida got hot early. They got that momentum cooking, and it was like you know guys are having a harder time staying in front of those guards one on one. That opened up some things, a little easier things, um, you know, for say you know say a guy gets beat off the dribble or somebody comes over and helps. There were a lot of easy dump offs and, and dunks and stuff like that. And Florida started playing a little bit like Auburn there um, after they got off the, that hot start, making those one on one plays. So, you know, I think defensively, you you for Auburn, you just don't want this to be a sign of hey, when you play a team with an experienced backcourt you know, and some length and some size that you can't go and do some of the things that, that are reliable for you. Like, they only had one steal in this game. Six of Florida's seven turnovers, which isn't very many to begin with, were, non, were dead ball turnovers. And it's like, it's hard to generate offense off of that. 10%, around 10% uh, turnover rate uh, for Florida. That's super low. That's one of the lowest you're ever going to see from an Auburn team. And Auburn has lost a string of these games dating back the last few years when they aren't able to disrupt uh, other teams' offense. And I think that's the thing with Auburn. This is not a team that sells out to, you know, press you a ton and turn you over a ton, although they do that from time to time. They generate so much offense, especially on the road, from forcing turnovers, getting in people's grill, knocking the ball away, and turning it off of that. And those can be such momentum flippers. And when your assist turnover ratio, when you lose the turnover battle, so out of whack in a game like this, you know, Dan, like it's, it's, it, it was hard. I don't think like they were poor by any means, by the way that, by the way they played it. Um, but, you know, I, I did, I did think that, um, you know, they weren't, it, 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 Auburn's defense wasn't to where what we normally see from them. And it just affected the whole game uh, because of that. And and the stat I, I forget who had it, but the stat that that was Janai Broom's first ever game in Florida, like the the notion yeah. that this is the the, the fact Trey Donaldson, Trey Donaldson yeah. as well, Trey Donaldson as well. But but Janai's played four years, yeah, yeah, hundred 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 something college basketball games in yeah. his career, and for this one to be the first one in Florida and Plant City's pretty close to Gainesville. I imagine Janai yeah. had Janai had people, ton of family game. there. Yeah, it's, and it's disappointing. I, I don't think the free throws are – I don't think it's a crisis or anything like that. I do I do wonder if teams would go to the hack a Janai strategy if, if things, you know, in, in close games or in games where they needed to make a comeback. But it's I don't think it's a, a fatal flaw or anything like that. I mean, he's shooting no. right, right around 60, 60, 61% this season from the free throw line. And and I think uh, he had been shooting 75% for the last two months. Like he had had a slow start and then was really hot. And then this, this past game really hurt those averages, but like really since the app state game, he had been a lot better from the line and he's valuable enough. It's at all the other things he does that, that I don't think it's, Oh, well you, you pull him, you pull him off the floor in crunch time because you're worried teams are going to, teams are going to target him for, for free throws or anything like that. But, but I'm sure he'll tell you, you know, he's, he's got to go, he's got to do better than one for eight. Oh, for sure. And, and, you know, he, you know, I, I think there's some, a function of that that might be just Auburn wasn't as locked in when you're getting beat like that. It's just, can kind of be human nature to start to slip up. I do think though, second half, Florida doesn't hit a shot for the final nine twenty of the game. Auburn wins the fourth quarter, 21 to nine. Again, that's not, the game was well in hand. Florida didn't seem bothered by it. They hit free throws and, 
you know, they weren't. It wasn't like Florida was just, you know, completely collapsing or anything like that. Auburn did fight to get this thing under 20. It does help their math some. One of the most interesting things about this this game is that, and, and what else happened in college basketball on Saturday, Auburn did not move in the net at all. They entered number seven. They left number seven. Um, they fell by like one point, one spot in pretty much everything else I saw. So number five in Ken Palm and T-Rank and uh, Evan Maya and you know there's some other BBI I had them at seven. Again, there's a lot of value in your body of work being you blow out teams, including teams that you're not supposed to. This was the first time all year that Auburn didn't lose. When they lost, it wasn't a close game. And you felt like one of those were coming at some point. Um, you know, you want to avoid those as much as possible. The complete body of work for Auburn, even though their strength schedule isn't nearly as strong as like a Tennessee or a Purdue or an Alabama or anything like that for the whole of the season, um, this team's still in a pretty decent in decent shape. And um, you know, it hurt it hurt Auburn a little bit, but it did more for Florida than it did to hurt Auburn. And you don't want to brush that off, right? Like you don't want to go off of a game like this and say, ah, oh, no big deal. Because you did lose by 16 and you didn't play well for most of the game. And you don't want that to be, you know, you don't want the struggles that you had in this game to become a recurring theme. Uh, you don't want them to keep going. But like we had said it heading into this game of like, hey, eight games left. If Auburn goes six and two in conference play, they split their, you know, they split these road games, they'll still have a shot. The Florida game was the second toughest road game. I would argue it was the second toughest game they got left this season. Uh, and they and they dropped it. But, you know, Dan, I, I don't think this is a... I don't know if it's necessarily our job or to sit here and say, like, hey, don't panic, Auburn fans. Uh, but, like, don't panic, Auburn fans. Like, this is, you know, this was a tough game and it was a tough performance, but, like, you're not going to sit here and... You're not going to sit here and think that this team... Like all their goals aren't out of their way. Like they they still can they still can hunt in the SEC championship race, uh, and they are still in a position to be a pretty good seed in the NCAA tournament. That but they've got to they got to keep going from here. All right, we're gonna look ahead at the next two games for Auburn this big week that they've got coming up uh, at home. Before we do that, let's take care of some business. Uh, hello, if you like this show and you like more of it, uh, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer. You get all the newsletters, all of the podcasts for either six dollars a month or six dollars a year. We get you something pretty much every day of the week sent to your email inbox, whether it's a newsletter or a podcast. Uh, we got mailbags, we've got um, you know film rooms, deep dive analysis. Um, you know after every game, uh, check us out auburnobserver.com, uh, and uh, it's a great time to sign up because signing up right now you get stretch run of the of, of the um, of the po- you know heading into the postseason for Auburn basketball. You get the you know start of spring football practice. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on here. At the Observer. Also, if you are a subscriber, the last podcast we did last week came out on Friday uh, with our buddy Adam Cole of the OA News. Did a little baseball preview in there as well. Baseball starts this weekend, this upcoming weekend for Auburn. So if you want to check that out, we don't cover baseball here like day to day, but we do like to check in from time to time. And Adam did a really good job setting us up for this Auburn baseball season. You want to check that out as well. Uh, also, real quick, while I'm doing this, shout out to uh, the Auburn Gymnastics team. Uh, pulling off the win over Alabama, a big win over Alabama. Auburn swept Alabama. Justin Lee 
our buddy was the first one to point this out. Auburn swept Alabama at home in volleyball, men's basketball, women's basketball, and gymnastics. All four events that are played at Auburn Arena. Neville Arena, man, it's it's just it's become a place where like you know the women's basketball crowds are getting up and and and, and being becoming a, a bigger factor in games, which is really cool to see. People showing up for volleyball with the turnaround of this program and building it into an NCAA tournament team. Auburn basketball's always had this. And then, you know, it's one of the hottest gymnastics tickets. Even without SUNY Lee, um, it's still, you know, one of the hottest gymnastics tickets in, in, in the country. So uh, it's it's a great it's a great adv- uh, environment for sure. Painter, how else can the folks at home help us out? Please rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Helps us out a ton. Really, really appreciate all of you who do that. Uh, thank you, as always, for the comments and the kind of words and the feedback on the podcast, as well as the newsletters. Uh, really, really appreciate that. Uh, you can also help us out by going to homefieldapparel.com and buying yourself the official Auburn Observer t-shirt. Um, you can buy that. Just go to homefieldapparel.com, search Auburn Observer, and you can get that. You can also get a lot of really good stuff, Auburn-related, uh, You know, basketball designs, football designs, baseball designs. There are you know, just university-specific stuff. There are bomber jackets, there's hoodies, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, joggers. The most comfortable stuff you're going to find anywhere with uh, the coolest Auburn designs you're going to find anywhere is at homefieldapparel.com. Uh, promo code Observer23. We're still running that. Promo code, I believe, still works. Um, 15% off your very first order at Homefield if you use that upon checking out. But yeah, get all the good stuff from homefieldapparel.com. All right, fellas, this this week becomes a pretty big one here for Auburn. Um, I, you know, Dan, when we talk about this SEC title race and, and, and what happens moving forward, it did feel like any scenario that has Auburn winning uh, a title, raising a banner, having a share of something, at least at the end of the year, comes with going undefeated at home. And Auburn is still undefeated at home. They've beaten some really good teams at home. They're a different animal on the road, as we have seen. But man, this is this is one of the biggest weeks I can remember coming into it when you see how good South Carolina's been. And then of course Kentucky and college game day and all that fanfare. Um this this was gonna be the case even without the Florida. Even if they had beaten Florida yesterday, this would have still been the case. But like this this becomes a pretty critical week for for Auburn and in in, in in the friendly confines. It does, and South Carolina and Kentucky have a lot to gain as well, but we've seen how tough it is to win on the road in the SEC this year, and and both of those teams are now tasked with winning at Auburn Arena, or Neville Arena. So so you've got the uh, South Carolina, who's, uh, what's the win streak up to? Five or six games now in league play, uh, but they they had that really... They're at oh, seven. Now. It's up to seven straight. So, yeah. and and it's yeah. they had that that really unsightly loss earlier in conference play to Alabama. Got away from them, and, and Alabama rolled. That that's that's something I think. If you're South Carolina, there's in the back of your mind, you know, you you could be running into another into another freight train if the game doesn't start the right way. I mean, you've seen you've seen teams get drummed uh, on the mm-hmm. road in, in league play. So yeah, for South Carolina, I, I would think that this is a game where both teams are. Like it is imperative to get off to a fast start because if you're South Carolina and you find yourself down double digits in the first half, you know, are you, are you going to be able to face down this team in that Neville arena crowd? And then for Auburn, you know, it, this is, this is a chance to put the Florida game behind you. A slow start 
only only compounds you know some of the stuff that that buries you in Gainesville. Yeah, let's take a look look at this this South Carolina team, and and the word is balance. Um, first and foremost, this is a team that the rankings, like the metrics, aren't crazy about uh, Ken Palm and, and Net and stuff like that. It was because of their non-conference schedule, although they do have a couple of really good wins on that non-conference schedule or solid wins for sure. But top 50 offense, top 50 defense. This is one of the slowest paced teams in college basketball this year. They are 349th in the country in average possession length, but they take care of the ball. They get second chance opportunities a ton, and they shoot it particularly well uh, in conference play. Um, you know, they have they have been able to, you know, crash the boards and just play a really good brand of basketball where it's just they play, they don't get themselves in trouble a lot. And that's the thing with the South Carolina team is that they're going to play, they're going to try to slow it down. They're going to try to play this game at their pace for Auburn. Can they crank up some turnovers? Um, South Carolina's had a couple games here recently where you know, on the whole this year, they've been good at taking care of the ball, but they've had a couple games here recently where they've had some turnover issues. Auburn's got to get back to being disruptive on that end of the floor. We know how much easier that is to do in Neville than maybe away from home, but the South Carolina team shares the ball. They're 15th in the country in assist rate, 41st in three-point rate. Um, so, meaning they take a lot of those threes. They remind me a lot, like Lamont Paris, it, you know, is not. it's not surprising. Lamont Paris gets to the South Carolina job by what he did at Chattanooga, taking a struggling team and taking them to the NCAA tournament uh, with the same kind of play where it's like, they pass it well. They share it well. They 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 limit possessions. Uh, they value the ball and they and they and they take a ton of threes and and and, and hit like it is kind of a very small school type of attack. But he's doing it with our conference level talent right now, uh, and they've got some guys that are that are you know ripping the ball right now. Miles Stute, who was a transfer from Vandy, he shoot forty percent from deep this year. Taylon Cooper is shooting forty five percent, forty six percent if you round up. Uh, this year, you know, one of the best overall shooters in the country, uh, a guy who played with Janai Broom at Moorhead State, uh, and uh, is uh, you know transferred from Minnesota and is now at South Carolina. One of those two-time transfers, Taylon Cooper. It's like him or Reach. Like I, I, I answered in the mailbag the other day, Dan, about like comparing Dalton Connect to to Jalen and and I, and I was looking at it and it was like you can make a real argument that Auburn had the best front line in the country in, in the con- country definitely the SEC you could say hey Jalen's power forward if you did a five man all SEC lineup right now you'd say hey power forward is going to be um, Jalen Williams center is going to be Jani Broom your wing one of your wings is going to be Dalton Connect you're going to have Mark Sears at the point it's either Reed Shepard or Taylon Cooper at at the at the, at the other guard spot for the South Carolina team and. Uh, like I said, Lamont Paris has got a team now where he's got more and more talent to come in, like experienced, certified power conference talent, still playing that style that made him, you know, such a good, you know, small school coach. And uh, they're a tricky team. They are, it is a very unique brand of basketball they try to play. And it is working really well because a lot of really good teams have fallen to him here in SEC play. You mentioned that they're patient too, right? Like their willingness Super to. Super patient. Yeah, their their willingness to play deep into the shot clock for a great shot is something. I, I watched them play Clemson back in the non-conference. They had Clemson on the ropes at Clemson. It was their first South Carolina's first loss of the season because Clemson rallied in the last 
uh, 10, 12 minutes of the game. People didn't really take notice of the game at the time because neither of the teams were on the national radar. Uh, but now Clemson is maybe the third best team in the ACC behind Carolina looks and like Duke. It. And the home win over South Carolina looks better and better. And you think about how South Carolina's resume and their perception would be different if they also had a road win at Clemson on top of everything else that they have. Because you mentioned you know, that the non-conference wins don't really jump out at you. And it's probably... Sandbagging yeah. their sandbagging their their computer rankings and, and the and the good teams they played like they they played Virginia Tech much like Auburn on a new uh, but this one was on a neutral floor and they only won by two they played a Grand Canyon team away from home and they only won by seven they did lose to Clemson you know didn't really crush a lot of these and that's the thing with South Carolina you said it Dan they're like the South Carolina team hasn't really hammered a lot of teams uh, this year they've had a lot of close games but like there's value in that that's a team that doesn't get rattled the funny thing is. Do you know? Do you know the biggest win South Carolina has in SEC play right now is like in terms of like in terms of point spread. Oh, I was like, going to say like, ten, like Tennessee at Tennessee is probably their biggest win, but not sure. Like, sure. Not by but margin. margin of victory. Margin of victory. Their biggest win this year is seventeen against against Kentucky at at, at home. Like they did. They didn't beat Vanderbilt as bad as they beat Kentucky. Now it's only two points, but and, still. And Kentucky is a team that's had their discipline on defense questioned quite a few times this year south carolina is a team that if that's a weakness for you they'll they'll pick you apart auburn a more disciplined team but we've seen in the past there have been times when teams that really push that shot clock into the closing seconds over and over again that can wear on a defense as aggressive mm-hmm. as auburn's and so yeah it's going to be a it's going to be a game where auburn has to uh you know that they have to have the right mindset going in yeah, they've got. I mean, and I mentioned Taylor Cooper, Miles Stewart that have been playing really well uh, here recently. But Michu Johnson, you know, uh, an experienced guy that they picked up uh, from Ohio State a couple years ago. He's he's off. You know, he's having a really really good year. He's a guy that you'll see get to the free throw line a lot and 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 convert solid three point shooter, good good slasher at six two. BJ Mack, um, a big guy, six eight two seventy. They got him from Wofford. Um, he is, you know, a guy that they worth the ball and down low, uh, with, and, you know, he, he's, he can be a foul magnet as well. They go inside out with him. This is a team again, that is going to give Auburn, um, they're just going to be different. And, And for, and for the Tigers, it's like, Hey, can you speed them up? Can you hurry them? Can you rough them up? Can you disrupt them on the defensive end of the floor? Um, and, and get some of those easy shot opportunities because what South Carolina is going to do is they're going to want to work the ball late in the shot clock and they're going to want to really test this the discipline of this Auburn defense. Um, and Auburn cannot have Auburn can't afford a game again where especially one where it's going to have probably less amount of possessions as as usual because South Carolina doesn't like to play fast. You, you got to be able to turn your defense into offense. And they did not do that against against Florida. And Florida took advantage of that by just keeping them ahead uh, the whole time. Um, defensively, the South Carolina team, um, you know, really uh, had some good metrics to them this year. Um, you know, they're third in the league right now in effective field goal percentage. They're first in free throw. They don't foul a lot. You know, number three, three-point defense. Number two, uh, three, two-point defense. They don't, Get a lot of blocks. They don't get a lot of steals, uh, but they make you earn everything. They don't. They run you off the three point line. Um, this is going to be a game where 
they're, you know, Auburn's front court. Again, I think South Carolina's got one seven footer they bring off the bench. Most of their guys are six eight, six nine. Auburn's gonna have a height advantage, but South Carolina is physical and they are they play a tough brand of basketball and defense. They're gonna want to rough you up. Auburn's been better at home with these guys. Obviously, they're undefeated. Um, but I think about like just kind of that inside out game again. Um, you know, this is a game where you have to pick yourself up and, you know, pick yourself off, off the mat, dust yourself off and go back to work because Florida really got you in the physicality. They were the fresher team. South Carolina won't be fresher than you, uh, but they got a, they got a comfortable win against Vandy and you're coming back home. Um, this is just a real big, like, how do you respond moment for Auburn? And uh, this, this South Carolina defense, I would expect the South Carolina defense to do a lot of the same stuff that Florida tried to do against Auburn's front court. What you don't have with South Carolina is the size advantage that Ole Miss and Florida had. Like, South Carolina doesn't necessarily have uh, the, the Giants protecting the paint. Sure. That, that that the Florida Gators had that could that helped. Yeah, they don't block shots, but yes. they, they do prevent you from scoring them. Like, they, they, it is more of a gritty, grinded-out defense for sure. This this is a game where we're using the word opportunity a lot, but this is a game where I think Janai and Jalen, you know, you think about the front court matchups yep. and being at home. Like this is a game where you know if South Carolina can hold Auburn to, you know, whatever I, I don't know Auburn's average points in the paint this season, but if South Carolina can keep Auburn under that, you would you would think that you know it's got to be a, a huge win. For South Carolina, not not that they're going to win the game if they do that, but that would be a huge win for South Carolina, considering the games at home. And you know, you'd 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 think that both Janai and Jalen are looking to bounce back after after Saturday. Absolutely, and and again for Auburn, it's an opportunity because you get your offense back on track, and then on Saturday you play a Kentucky team that's one of the best offenses in America, but their defense. I mean, it's it's very clear at this point. Their defense is worse off than than Alabama's even is right now, and uh, it has been their real it's been their real it's a real real problem for them. They can score in bunches, but you got to get your confidence back. You got to get your you got to get your momentum back if you're Auburn on the offensive end. And I, and I just go back to Jalen Williams and Janai Broom. How do they bounce back? How do you know? And it, again, I don't think Janai played like terribly, uh, and I know you know Jalen hit some shots there down the stretch. But I think this Auburn team is just you, you had a really good game from Chaney Johnson. We hadn't said Chaney Johnson. Chaney Johnson played a phenomenal game. And I think Chaney's continued to be a guy that gives you a spark and hustle. He, you know, isn't a guy who's had to log a ton of heavy minutes. So I think he helped to be in kind of bouncy and 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 bring that energy. You gotta you gotta get it from more from more of those guys. And I, I would expect Auburn to shoot better at home. I would expect Auburn to get more production from their backcourt at home. Um, but yes, this is a bounce back opportunity. And if you can do that, you can set yourself up pretty well for a game against Kentucky where even though Kentucky is struggling right now, comparatively speaking, and isn't a you know major SEC title contender at the moment, they can still get into it. Is it as weird to you as it is to me that the news comes out on Saturday, hey, college game day is coming to Auburn next week. And it's gotten to a point where, like, college game day for basketball is like, yep, that, that's going to happen. Yep, that'll, <laughs> you know, it's just, I'm not saying it's not important, and I'm sure the crowds are going to be great, and, and it'll be it'll be an awesome time for everybody there. But, like, it, it's just one of those things where it's almost kind of expected at this point, and it's, and it's really weird to say that. 
And it's easy for us to forget that there are thousands of new students at Auburn every year that weren't around the last time college oh, sure, game yeah. day came. And then, mm -hmm. you know, and there are students who, you know, enjoyed themselves the last time. So I think it'll be a, yeah, it, it, what, what's become, it's like the Sports Illustrated curse now, right? Like it feels like game day's picking teams that are losing that Saturday after they choose them. Like Auburn, Auburn is announced as the game day site for the following week and then they, then they lose. I think the same thing happened to Arkansas. Uh, when they were announced as the uh, as as the site for game day, yeah, that was wild. That was wild that they were even chosen. Yeah, that was. I mean, I guess that was the. No, I, I can't. I can't explain that one other than you know <laughs> maybe they. Well, I mean, it was Arkansas, Kentucky, which is a, you know, as a name sounds sounds good, but what whatever. But no, I, I think it'll be a should should be an exciting time, and you know, Auburn, Kentucky is always you know such a, you know, it's 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 such an event that. Yeah, this 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 should be, you know, you started the show saying this is one of the bigger weeks for Auburn men's basketball considering the two opponents they're playing, you know, they're still having been, it's it's crazy to say this, but there still haven't been that many top 25 versus top 25 SEC games in no. Neville Arena. Like in nope. its in its history, and there there are going to be two of them uh two of them this week. There'll be two of them this week and you know, you've already had a couple this year. Um, yeah, there it's actually, wait, I say that is Kentucky going to stay in the top 25? Weren't, weren't they in the, weren't they in the low teens? Kentucky was 17, Seven, yeah, 17. They beat Vandy and they, do they drop eight spots on one loss? I, I don't think so. No, I think I they'll don't. probably stay in. They'll probably it's stay a, in. It's a home loss, but, but I think they're still in, uh, yeah, uh I think that, you know, the dam the damage from the previous week was already, was already baked in. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're just inside the top twenty five and and Ned, and they're outside of the top twenty five in a lot of things. Like this, this Kentucky team is is not what we thought. Like it, it has felt like when you look at the SEC title race, it just somehow uh, South Carolina has replaced Kentucky in what we thought it was going to be at the beginning of the uh, beginning of conference play. In terms of is hey Auburn's going to be in it, Alabama's going to be in it, Tennessee's going to be in it, and here's South Carolina, <laughs> like and not not Kentucky. It's been South Carolina. And Ole Miss, who who almost beat South Carolina in Columbia this past weekend, that ends up being a, a one possession game at the end. Ole Miss is the opponent in Rupp on Tuesday night, and so Kentucky's got to figure out a way to solve this losing streak, and they got to do it with Ole Miss coming to town, a team that has been somewhat fearless in in the way that they've uh, you know they've, they've taken to these these road games because they don't have you know they don't have much to lose. Like they're they're, and they're going in they're going in trying to. I mean, they they can they could play their way into the top four potentially if if the you know and 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 solidify their tournament position. But that is a that's a that's a scary opponent to have when when you got a home losing streak going. And going back to something we said at the, uh, towards the beginning of the show, Ole Miss coming off a bye. Ole Miss got a whole week to prepare for 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 Kentucky, so that'll be an interesting case. Hey, uh, before we go, uh, I wanted to have this this discussion. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. Did y'all see what Rick Barnes said after the game, uh, after the uh, the A and M game? So A and M A and M beats uh, Tennessee, and uh, afterwards, Rick Barnes. I don't know if he was asked about this. This is a quote from a, um, a tweet from a Texas A and M writer. It says Tennessee coach. Rick Barnes said Texas A&M fans should not have chanted overrated at the end of the game. To paraphrase, he said, if the Vols are indeed overrated, they are diminishing their own team's win. 
<laughs> it's always like that's something that I've always said. Like, hey, don't chant overrated because that makes you look like it's not that big of a deal. But to hear a coach who lost a game say that and be like, hey guys, hey, 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 don't. You know what? If we if we did suck, you didn't. You wouldn't want to beat us. Like it's so like. There's so many times where I, I hear something from like either Rick Barnes or like a, like an older coach like that where I'm like I get where he's coming from but like I don't think he I don't think he even remotely thinks about what that's going to look like to the outside. Yeah, I, I don't think fans are playing chess in that moment. I think they're just sort of you know trying to get at you by by. And apparently, A and M fans A and M fans have said that they were chanting that at Don Connect. Who I don't know what his final line was for for that game, but um, yeah, like even still. I love the I love the hey guys hey hey yeah Dalton, I mean, at least yeah they, at least they, at least they not, chanted overrating it they chanted overrated Dalton Connect Dalton Connect went six of eleven from deep and had twenty two points <laughs> like all right I, I think Dalton Connect is properly rated I just want to say for you know I think that's that's about he's rated about where he where he should be as the the leading contender for SEC Player of the Year uh, at the moment and a uh, guy just having yeah bonker season uh, the you know, it's still it's not as bad as the horns down thing. It has become the funniest thing of the year, and now it's become a thing where I think other teams are making Texas look bad by overreacting to horns down, like what happened at BYU. I mean, you would think you would think it was like them chanting something awful, like you know, like you had the like you had the thing the other day where Bruce Pearl was like, hey. The crowds are great. We love the rivalry, but like, let's 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 not go nuts with the language in the games. And that was reading between the lines. That was just like firmly the the fu Auburn chant at at Alabama. Like that 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 was that was all that was. Like I'm Texas folks react to the horns down like that. Like 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 the like people are like saying something vulgar or you know explicit at them. And it's hilarious to me to the fact that obviously, you know, the big 12 likes just said, Hey, you get penalized. If you do that, if you're a player, like that's insane. Like that's, I can't think of any other like, like, like team that would ever gotten treated like that. And it's like, all right, get ready for the sec fella. Also BYU real quick, BYU doing what they did was hilarious. Whereas like they had, if you, if you didn't see that story, this is a couple weeks ago, BYU had uh, shirts in their student section that spelled out horns down, and then they were forced to take them off. And everybody, including me, was like, oh, man, I can't believe Texas did that. Like, Texas overreacted to this. And then it was like BYU fans did, like, BYU's administration made them do that. So it's like, you can you can dunk on Texas by, like, kind of, like, psyoping them. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so good. Uh, I, I I applaud I applaud the 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 BYU the BYU folks for working that one out. But Dan, like I don't know how these folks are going to react when they get into the SEC. Like it does feel like things have been kind of coddled for them in the Big Twelve. And I how they gonna handle an LSU game? That's what I want to know. Like I want I want to know how they're going to handle that. Although I suppose that I mean with the with the the strength of their various programs right now, like they're counting on, on not being taunted very much because they don't plan on losing very much. Like that's, that's, that's going to be their strategy. We'll see, we'll see how it works for them. But sure. I do think in, in, in football tech, Texas will most likely enter the sec as a preseason top five team in their, in their first year. Like I'm, th I'm thinking oh, Texas yeah. could be very high in the rankings when we get closer uh, to the start of football season, especially bringing back Quinn Ewers, you know, having, 
a uh, a solid quarterback situation there. But yeah, Texas is first. Uh, you know that, that I think both Texas and Oklahoma will. And I'm not saying oh they're gonna they're gonna be middle of the pack because they can't roll with the like no these these are two of the most talented teams year in and year out in college football and there's a reason the SEC wanted to add them uh, to the slate. Uh, but yeah, it could be could be an adjustment when you uh, when you go to make some of these road trips. Not to mention they're longer road trips than the ones that that Texas was used to. Like Texas and Oklahoma often had very large Texas and Oklahoma crowds when they went on the road in the Big Twelve because mm-hmm. you know that that those are those are large fan bases that travel and and can... I, I can't wait to see what Oklahoma oh, how many fans Oklahoma brings to Auburn this fall. Like I think that's going to be a really cool kind of. We're biased. We're biased, but that's one of the games of the year to me because it's Oklahoma's first time. I mean, when a team in terms of atmosphere, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was here when USC came to town. I was here when Penn state came to town, like when a, when a historic Penn state came out in that game. Oh, Oh, I mean, they, so, had well, some, of, so, they had a they had a ton of people there. I don't remember. That. I wasn't here for yeah, the USC. Yeah, game, I mean, but. no, there were there were there were a ton of USC people. You know, uh, here, you know the one two thousand three. You know the one I always think about, and and I wrote about it uh, last fall. I always think about how many Washington State fans showed up at thirteen, and then drank. Uh, what was it? which bar was it? There was it might have been multiple bars downtown. I think it might have been Coyotes. Like drank it, drank them completely out of beer. <laughs> Which is kind of like, I love the thought of Washington State fans as like as like a plague of locusts, like, like descending on your town. And that was that was Washington State's second visit, right? Like I think a lot of because they played they, they came they came to town during the Tuberville. Yeah, era. Auburn had like yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And, it was and a weird they, deal. I think they brought they brought a pretty a pretty big crowd during the Tuberville era, and then I guess had a good enough time that they brought the whole city of Pullman the next time Auburn hosted uh, Washington state to, uh, you know, to, in, in the, the Malzahn. And, and, era, and to, yeah. And to be, and to be fair and, 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 and you know, here, like Auburn has great traveling crowds. Like the Cal crowd was incredible for, for how far away that is. Um, well, I've seen how, some really good basketball crowds this, you know, in the last few years where they go crazy for, you know, places very far away from Auburn. I was just about to ask you, what have, what have the road crowds been like for, for men's basketball this year? Because you've been able to go to all these road games. Yeah, what's it as big for the Florida one? And I think part of it is just because I, I did not realize until going there again that Florida Florida's arena is only a thousand seats bigger than Auburn. Like the O-Dome is not huge. And it was a sellout, and it was a lot of Florida fans there. They had some good, had some decent Auburn Auburn crowd, but it was it was not to the degree that we've seen other. It's just SEC teams are really stepping their game up. I mean, Florida always has cared about basketball, but when I think about how Ole Miss didn't have as big of an advantage, the Mississippi State crowd wasn't as you know we we've kind of seen it in the past. Those non-con games, though, and some of those. Um, you know, neutral side games, I think, where you saw Auburn really shine. Obviously, the Alabama game is always a big one. I'll be interested to see what the Georgia game looks like, especially with Georgia starting to fall off a little bit uh, right now. But, yeah, those crowds have been really, really good. And uh, it's going to be interesting because I don't think we've talked about this enough, but this ba- this football schedule coming up in 2024 is just – it's such a peculiar schedule. And not just because, um, you know, not just because Auburn – is going to play Oklahoma for the first time. And it's like, you know, as a conference team, there's so much new and you're not playing, you know, you're not playing state this year. And you're not playing LSU this year. And you're not playing Ole Miss this year. But 
mean, your only road games this year are Georgia, Missouri, Kentucky, and Alabama. That's it. And it's it's such an odd schedule that, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it on end for for a while, but it just it just does look like a it's gonna be a strange one, especially when it comes to the crowds. Like what does the crowd look like? You know, what does the crowd look like for Auburn in that, you know, that that SEC opener against Arkansas when it's like four straight? But you're gonna have a fifth one coming up and it's an even bigger game with Oklahoma. Like I don't know. It's just the crowd dynamics are gonna be interesting to watch it play this year. Since we're in sort of a grab bag football segment here. Sure. I saw the news about Donovan Kaufman. Uh, he's going to NC State, I believe. Is, yeah. uh, is He did is, take is a visit there. Hey, man, Cam Riley took a visit there. Uh, you but know, yeah. has there has there been any... The, the relative silence on VAR in the portal uh-huh. is interesting to me, right? I feel like there was one visit uh, with Utah, but other than that, there's been like nothing as far as... Which is interesting. You know, I, I would think that there... I, I would have guessed there was going to be a market for 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 his services as an experienced explosive receiver yeah that um, that one is that one is surprising to me yeah i, I just i mean that's that's i mean he's i, I know there's been talk utah of one was visit. yeah utah was the only one i've i have seen and, and that was a while ago and so but I, I mean i would i don't know this for sure i would think that var is still enrolled at auburn i would think that he's still on campus and i wonder if the longer this go i mean I don't know. Well, I guess I guess we'll see what happens when spring practice starts yeah. next yeah. month. But I, I would think that if you're, you know, if you're even if you're in the portal, I guess as a grad player and a guy with one year left and a guy with injury concerns, maybe it changes a little bit because if you know you're leaving, probably don't want to go through spring practice for a variety of reasons. But you know, if, if he's if he's enrolled, I I I have to imagine that he'd be welcomed back because mm-hmm. of because of his contributions last year on and off the field and and the fact that's a position where. You know, Auburn, Auburn's looking to add as much talent as possible to the wide receiver room. So I, I don't know, just the, the fact that there hasn't been yeah more so, news or, or an announcement yet about where he's going. You know, it is I find a little peculiar. Yeah, and then I saw Cam Riley visited Florida State uh, here recently. I wonder what that that one's going to end up looking like uh, moving forward. But like, yeah, I, it will be interesting to see what kind of pops up. You know, here in 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 spring practice if any of those guys decide to come back or, or not um you know what that looks like if the second window kind of you know creates some more opportunities for others but yeah that is a good point i had i had not realized that i hadn't i hadn't heard anything about that either uh there with, with var and uh hope, hope he ends up wherever it ends up being uh you know, you wish you wish nothing but the best for all of these guys. But I, I always I always enjoy talking to Var and, and watching him play. I, I think he's a really 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 good player, and we'll see where he ends up. All right, fellas, uh, that'll do it. We will be back later this week. We'll talk the South Carolina game. We'll look ahead a little more to the to the Kentucky game as well, uh, and then anything new popping up with football as we get closer and closer to the start of spring practices. Um, like I said, appreciate everybody listening. This one coming out. On Monday, I uh, hope everybody uh, enjoyed uh, their Sunday, their weekend, their Super Bowl. We, you know, by the time this comes out, you will know who have won. So we're not going to talk about that. But uh, yeah, newsletters coming back on on Tuesday. Uh, appreciate everybody once again for uh, hanging in here with us, uh, even on a weekend where not not great for the basketball Tigers. Uh, but this sh- this should be a pretty good opportunity here coming up. I got a halftime show. I mean, I guess by the time people hear this. Uh, so, 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 Scout's Honor, Painter, is there a song Usher has to do 
at the at the Super Bowl halftime show? Is there is there like a do you can you I mean is it because he's he's the, he's your halftime artist? He'll probably bring out special guests. Um, I I have I have an answer in mind, but I'd I'd like to know sort of I'd like to pull the room here on on a you know a, a song you expect Usher that that you're you're sure Usher will perform in his uh in in his Super Bowl halftime show. Well, the one that's staring you in the face is yeah. I mean yeah. that one's just so obvious. I, I mean it's it's a hit today. You know, do you ever see those videos online where like a a, a teacher will will play the music for the kids, and the kids will react by writing what they think on a note card. A lot of the music that they choose doesn't necessarily age well, but um, <laughs> I, that that to me seems like a song that no matter how old you are, it's just an absolute. Oh, it's such a good time, and and has such a distinct beginning. And basically the same beat as Petey Pablo's Freak a Leak, which you could also, you know, Petey Pablo could show up. And I believe the story is that Lil John sent both guys the same song. And then they had to sort of argue over who gets to use the beat. And they changed the Freak a Leak beat just enough to where it's not actually the same song anymore. But I think the original, I think Yeah and Freak a Leak were originally recorded on the on the exact same on uh the, the exact same Lil John uh track. Dan, would you have been too old to have ever owned a now that's what I call music CD? I, you know, I, when my first job at the radio station, at, first job at a radio station back in Northwest Florida, uh, we were sent, we, we used to get promotional copies of albums from the record labels and we would get just crates of now that's what I call music CDs to give to people as, you know, as, as prizes or at, at, live broadcasts and things and uh yeah i, I would uh I'd, I'd i'd have one or two in the guide and i never bought one i, I could say that I, I never went when i would go buy cds or 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 uh you know that that was you know th those were albums of artists that i liked i wasn't buying kids bop compilations or now that's what i call me like that wasn't I wasn't that that wasn't my flavor uh but the, this makes me wonder if kids bop has ever done a, a usher cover Love in, so. this love in this club. DJ got us falling in love again. Kids pop. That's 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 what we're going for. Like you remind me, or or uh, uh, you don't have to call. Like I think he's got. He could. I guess he could bring out Alicia Keys and do my boo. Like are those? Yeah. Like, so that's like, that was how I was thinking. I mean, like, because I, I think "Nice and Slow" or uh, "My Way" or maybe two. Although "My Way" is a great song. Like that was sort of the first. That was one of the first huge Usher songs, and so may maybe he dips all the way back into the late '90s with uh, with some of the stuff that first uh, right. first I, first put him on first put him on the map. I got a question for both of y'all, um, and it's if you got to pick who did the Super Bowl halftime show, who are you going with? And this is just for your personal enjoyment only. I, we don't have to care about the mainstream appeal, like where you would just say, like, you know, I want I want to hear an entire. Yeah, however, how long is the Super Bowl halftime show usually? Like what, fifteen minutes? Ten to fifteen minutes. I Ten think, to fifteen you know, minutes. Get, yeah. So, like a best of, like you're gonna hit, you're gonna hit all the hits. Um, who are you going with? You know, I I still think. I mean, it's so tough for one artist. I thought the Dr. Dre approach was like I thought that halftime show was a masterpiece. With you know, you had four or five artists connected through a city or a record label or. Uh, working with the same producer that that all come out and do one or two of their hits. 
Um, I'm going to go, if we're picking one artist, I'm going to pick Daft Punk, Justin. I think a Daft Punk, although I've heard that, I've heard that one of the two Daft Punk guys never performed live and it was always an impersonator in a robot costume. Like one of the two guys, I, I someone told me that story at a party in Los Angeles and I've chosen to believe it, that one of the two guys in Daft Punk had really bad anxiety and didn't like performing live. And so whenever you saw Daft Punk on stage, one of the two guys was a real DJ from the group and the other one was just like a dancer friend of theirs who who pretended to be playing the music. So I want... I want Daft Punk and everything, everything that entails with the the robots and the collaborators and uh, and, and and everything else, the piano solo and digital love. Give give, give me give me all of it. So so the, my question before Painter's answer. So my question is, in the LCD sound system song Daft Punk is playing at my house, you were telling me that one of the impersonators, one of the one of the, the Daft Punk guys at that person's house is an impersonator. Painter, what's your answer? I don't think either of these would ever would ever fly for a number of reasons. I could get behind Pink Floyd or Explosions in the Sky. Explosions in the Sky would be incredible because it's like everyone gets ready, like they they do the they do the halftime show, and then everybody just starts thinking about Friday Night Lights. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, when Pink Floyd performs live these days, is it like is I don't is know. It, yeah, I was gonna say David Gilmore. I think is still is still involved. I don't know who's like who's in and who's out on Pink Floyd, but yeah, that that would be a you know that they're, they're uh, they I can't I can't imagine the reaction if uh, if if they if they if they went with the the, the wall there at a Super Bowl halftime show. Do you know? Do you realize? And I guess you know bands don't ever really die. Yeah, you know, they just keep evolving and adding new members and whatnot. But if I would just looked it up. If Pink Floyd played in 2025, if they did the 2025 Super Bowl halftime show, let's just say that they will have been a band for 60 years. <laughs> that is insane. That is insane. All right. I'm going to go with my answer to close this out. And, you know, some people who, who may follow me know that I have a very extreme, extreme taste in music um, that can kind of go all over the map. Um, but I did think of, I did think of what would, what would be entertaining and what would, what would people would really enjoy and, um, that would work in a halftime show setting and one of my favorite bands. And that's why I say at some point in my lifetime, we need a Paramore Super Bowl halftime show. Give me the Paramore Super Bowl halftime show. That's all we need. Uh, and I think this, it would unite this great country of ours. Peace up. Peace up. A-Town. Down. Yeah, 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 yeah